What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? Red Nation Hoops Podcast. My name is Salma Ali at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. Here, joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Week two of pre- of the season in the books. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. The last time we podcasted was October eighth, or that was the last time we recorded. Um, a lot's happened since then. Um, we've learned a lot about this team, and yet um, a lot of this, a lot of stuff is still in the air. Um, a lot of stuff's happened on and off the court surrounding this basketball team. And yeah, let's just go ahead and get into it. It's going to be a long podcast. And I hope I hope you're ready for it, Forrest. I'm always ready. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing that happened since uh, since October 8th, I think like Tillman Fertitta was officially announced as the new owner of the Houston Rockets. Uh, he had the, uh, his <laughs> massive press conference um, where reporters from all over were invited and like... Uh, I think some of his uh, TV show guys were there too uh, for the press conference uh, from Billion Dollar Buyer. Um, the Rockets made a big thing of it. They streamed it on Rockets.com, um, and yeah, it was it was just a big event, which was surprising to me. Yeah, uh, much to his delight, he is now the owner of the Houston Rockets, and he's definitely got a flair for uh, for showmanship that Les Alexander very very much did not. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, so. At the press conference itself, uh, I felt like he said everything right. Like if if you were to like write down everything that Rockets fans wanted to hear, he said everything. Yeah. He, ch- he said um, he wants the front front office to stay in place. He said he actually called uh, Daryl Morey the best general manager in the league, uh, and he just wants to stay involved in the business side of things and the money spending side of things, and not the basketball operations, which is a huge sigh of relief for everybody that's following this team yeah for sure uh if he's just going to be back there to uh you know do publicity and like get people excited and to go uh to the sidelines and hoot and holler whenever the team wins a game and let maury in the front office and the coaching staff uh run things that they feel they should be run that's kind of the best of all possible worlds Right, and uh, he said that he's gonna uh, bring in uh, his Landry restaurants into the Toyota Center, which uh, I guess if if you're a season ticket holder or if you're someone who likes to go to Rockets games, that's that's that should that should be nice, um, better food, um, and a better food for the media. It's gonna be great, uh, and <laughs> that's true. I bet all the national media guys are gonna be excited to eat not this like whatever they have, which I've heard is oftentimes not necessarily in the, in the Toyota Center, but you know 
in media uh, row in general and things yeah media row in general does not apparently have the best food so yeah maybe the uh those guys will be pretty excited about that yeah i mean uh he made a big thing about how uh they're gonna serve landry's food pretty much everywhere it's gonna be uh you see like during even during the games i've noticed this you see landry's advertisement just above like you know where those uh floating <laughs> banners are like you, you'll just yeah. you'll just see a slide where it says Landry's Inc. <laughs> or uh, you know something advertising is, is uh, the Golden Nugget or something. Like you'll just see that kind of stuff around the arena. It's gonna become a thing. Like even in the Rockets banner at the press conference, you saw Landry's Inc. and the Rockets logo all over that <laughs> all over that backdrop, which was uh, interesting to say the least. Um, and yeah, he he checked off all the boxes you wanted to hear. Um, he'll stay in the background. He wants to. He wants Daryl Morey to be in charge of everything, pretty much, and he'll he'll stay hands off. He's only going to come in for financial stuff, which uh, we'll we'll talk about. You know, as the next free agency approaches, you know how much he wants to commit to X player and you know whatnot. That's going to be important. But for right now, it seems like on the basketball ops, the Rockets are safe. And uh, uh, he said something in the press conference that made me laugh. He's like, he said he's not going to be like Mark Cuban. But everything we've seen of him since uh, he's become owner has been like Mark Cuban light, like in every single way. Yeah. Well, the the only way uh, it seems like he's in for Mark Cuban is that Mark Cuban takes a much more active role in like running the team and player stuff. Right. So, like, honestly, if he were like Mark Cuban, except didn't really take a big role in team operations, that would be the perfect outcome. Right, and he said he's going to uh, voice his opinions a lot more uh, during some of these owners' meetings, which is I find very interesting. You know, less kind of stayed away from that kind of stuff. Like, the Rockets never really proposed new ideas or anything. Um, I mean, Daryl did, but not never less. Less never did that stuff. Daryl would always float these pie-in-the-sky stuff uh, on podcasts and radio interviews, but he would never. But it, it was never coming from ownership, uh, which is going to be interesting. I, w- I want to see what kind of quotes come out. Like, what, what, is, what does Tillman Fertitta have... Um, ha- like have an idea about how to change his game. Like, like what what's gonna come from that? that that's interesting. And uh, he he basically said that yeah, I mean he's, he's gonna stay out of everything. But I mean the vibe I get from him is like he just seems like a Mark Cuban slash Steve Ballmer t- type of owner. Like he's gonna be really really passionate about the team. He's gonna be uh really really visible. Like the guy is quite visible on television, um, on social media. Uh, and just in general, I just I, he's much much more available uh, for the press than L- Leslie Alexander, which is um, not not necessarily a good or a bad thing. It's just different. It's going to be a different type of ownership, I think. Yeah, uh, and we'll see how that goes. Um, it it may overall be more fun for the city. Uh, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference in the quality of the team. Uh, I don't Probably know not, if it's going to yeah. affect. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to affect like free agency really, because it seems like Houston already has as much respect as they could reasonably have. So, yeah, uh, it'll affect the flavor for sure, and it'll probably affect fan identity, but that's very secondary stuff. Mostly, as you said, uh, as long as a team is allowed to run in the uh, very efficient way it has been, then everything is golden. Yeah, he apparently bought a Bugatti dealership in Houston, which was, um, <laughs> I mean, sure. the, the guy, the guy likes to, to show his money around, right? Like, um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very, very entertaining. Uh, whether you're a Rockets fan or not, he's going to be out there. Uh, 
and you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be really really entertaining for us to cover to watch. It's it's he's gonna be a spectacle. He's gonna be like <laughs> I mean he's already out there like waving flags and stuff. You know like like quarter breaks and things. So yeah, uh, he's definitely way more active and excited than Les ever was, uh, and that's uh, it's it's a good time. Yeah, and to and to be fair to Les, uh, he's also much younger than Les was. Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Les was. I mean, Les is old twenty years ago when he bought the team. So, right. Yeah, twenty five years ago. Yeah, this this is an energized man, um, and he's he's willing to show that energy. Um, so let's go ahead and get to opening night, which was completely crazy. Uh, we talked about this in our last podcast. Like, I th- I threw out the crazy theory that what what if the Rockets beat the Warriors. Like, Twitter would blow up. And that's exactly what happened. The Rockets beat the Warriors, and we lost our <laughs> I mean, it was just a crazy experience. Like, hey, hey, remember how a ref, like, broke his ribs in that game? Yeah, that was a, that was an insane game all around. The Rockets were down by, like, 20 or 30 or something like that and made all these crazy comebacks. They would go up and down, up and down. Um, and just when you felt like the Rockets were out of it, like, it just – they just hit, like, three threes in a row – and uh, go in transition and just easily catch up. And it was just a crazy game. And we saw the first uh, appearance of Chris Paul in an actual Rockets regular season game. Also the last one. Right, right. Um, And uh, Chris Paul and James Harden, I'll admit they looked a little clunky offensively. uh, But defensively, he, he 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 was good. And... Offensively, towards the end of the game, he sparked a big seven zero run, which I'm not sure if anybody remembers. He he was uh he got a couple of steals on I think he got a steal on KD uh during towards the end of the game in the, I think maybe the third or fourth quarter that sparked a seven zero run that sparked the comeback to eventually win the game. So he did have an impact on this game. Uh, his plus minus wasn't very good, but um if you watch the game, you he did he was very much um a force to be reckoned with. Whether or not so you could, uh, go ahead yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, there's there's good signs there, and we'll get to that. But I want to ask this real quick: Do we feel better or worse about how important that win was at this point in the season? Now that we've seen more of the Warriors, um, I I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of the Warriors <laughs> right now. Honestly, like they just right? lo- they just lost. They just to the not Pist- care. Yeah, I, I think that's what it is. Like I don't think they suddenly got less talented. Like I don't think that that's what happened. Uh, they it just they just seem kind of all over the place defensively like offensively there's they're definitely that same Warriors team that we saw last year uh, that was breaking all sorts of records but defensively they're just not there yet um and Steve Kerr is getting fights and stuff it's weird it is weird four and three now this lost to Detroit tonight this is a real a real like departure but you know I mean it's it's always great to get a win against the Warriors in opening night but like this is not the same Warriors team we saw last year in the regular season uh Postseason yeah. different animal, but it is that is a, a, a footnote of huh. Hard to tell how good it is to beat the Warriors right now, given that they seem to be letting everyone beat them. Right, um, and th- this might be kind of that that post championship hiatus that you know Pat Rowley always talks about the disease of more or the disease of me or whatever it's called. Um, like where you, you're coming off a championship and and guys are feeling themselves and like you know you you're not really. Um, committed to the team like all the way yet. Uh, it, t- it takes a couple months to get there, so maybe it's that. Like maybe it's that kind of LeBron in the East kind of stuff. Like, like you oh, know, boy, yeah, that team too. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we. But we have to go back. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about this game. Um, PJ Tucker looked 
great in this game. Uh, defensively, he was all over the place. Um, and offensively, he had a bunch of threes. Right now, he's he's 38.7% for three on 4.4 attempts per game. That's pretty significant, man. Like, the guy is yeah. hitting threes. at. Um, he's passing up a lot of threes, but whenever he does decide to shoot it, he's hitting them at a high clip. Um, and most notably, like, off of hardened passes, he's hitting them at a high percentage. And I don't think that's a big surprise, but, I mean... The impact that's hard, that Harden's having on the looks that he's getting, um, it's surprising. I didn't think it'd be this drastic, but he's shooting a lot better off those Harden catches. And Yeah, my uh, only... Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I think you're right. My only qualm is that I wish he'd shoot a little more readily. Right. That, that That's that's become a thing. Luke Mbamute and P.J. Tucker are very hesitant three-point shooters, and it's going to take a long time to break that. I mean, they've been in the league a long time. They're in their 30s. Uh, they're not used to shooting threes at the level that Houston shoots threes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, Houston's shooting, I think, close to 45 threes per game right now. Uh, it's they shot like 57 or something the other day. Right, yeah, it, it's it's going up there. Uh, and Mike D'Antoni loves to shoot the basketball at a high, at a high clip, and, and he... He he will he will chew you out on the sideline if you don't shoot that basketball, and we've seen a lot of that um, in their direction. But PJ Tucker looks great. His signing is starting to look more and more really really good, like uh, better than what we even thought it was going to be in the offseason. Like defensively, he's been awesome. Um, and towards the end of this game, I thought I, I, it's just a little quick fo- footnote. Uh, I thought it was interesting how how crazy the Rockets celebrated after this win. Uh, Tillman for Tito was hugging everybody. He was hugging. Uh, he was he was hugging PJ Tucker, James Harden. Uh, Chris Paul went up and hugged Daryl Morey, which was uh, <laughs> interesting to say the least. Uh, Chris Paul was yelling, "They can't guard you to Harden!" Like they, it felt like they won a championship, man. After this, like it felt very much like a, a big win for this team, like a morale boost. Like they think they can win, they can beat the Warriors. They've said that all through the summer. Uh, this is this is why the team is constructed the way it is. And it was a big moral victory for the team, man. Yeah, uh, and you've got to think that losing a game, uh, losing a game on your ring night to a team that you kind of hate and uh, ve- and very much take pride in owning every single time down the line would uh, be unpleasant for some team. Right. It might uh, even uh, might even might even mess you up a little bit. Right. Who knows? Yeah, you know, uh, the Rockets are totally responsible for the collapse of the Warriors <laughs> right now. Uh, uh, but I'm just, but yeah. Um, Only one team responsible for that. But uh, Right. Uh, I know Harden and Paul didn't look great together offensively, but I tweeted this after the game. Like, this game convinced me more that I think this pairing is going to work. And yeah. it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not the results of the game per se. It's what was happening during the game. Uh, Harden got open catch and shoot after open catch and shoot during this game. The, the the Warriors tried trapping Chris Paul, and that would leave Harden wide open for a three. And he capitalized on that multiple times. Um, and, you know, the Warriors just couldn't guard them, like guard both of those guys on the floor at the same time, which, which is crazy because this is a really, really good defensive team, like one of the best in the NBA. And they, they just couldn't. Even when Draymond was on the floor for the first three quarters, they just could, they, it was hard for them to guard both of those guys on the floor at the same time, even though Chris Paul wasn't shooting that great. Yeah, I feel like with, with them looking just kind of okay with one another, that they were still able to do that. Uh, that yeah, it's a really good sign for when Chris Paul gets back. Right, and Chris Paul uh, feasted on the second unit uh, to make that comeback. Uh, which is going to be fun. It's going to be fun watching him in the second unit. Um, they're going to need him, and we'll get to that later. Uh, C- Chris Paul injured his knee 
uh, during the he re-injured his knee that he hurt during the preseason of the game. This is pretty significant, man. Like, it was originally listed as a day-to-day injury, but later D'Antoni came out and kind of fessed up that it was going to be more week-to-week than day-to-day. And Mark Stein, uh, by the way, welcome back, Mark Stein, to Basketball Twitter. We missed you. So glad to have you get, have you back. Uh, Mark Stein dropped a bomb that Chris Paul could miss up to a month, and Watch followed up by saying he can miss up to two to four weeks. It's yeah, and it's remained a very big who knows. Uh, Chris Paul's been uh, dressed in streets. Uh, he's been going to the games, but he's you know not not dressed to play. And uh, we just don't know anything about it. It's, to this point still, we don't know anything about it. Uh, I don't really know what else to say about it other than it seems to be like a bone bruise and there's really no way to tell when he'll be back until he's back, I guess. Yeah, I'm concerned, man. I, I, and I hate to be the dude that sounds the alarms, but, I mean, this organization is not- notoriously quiet for with injuries. Like, they, they're very leaky everywhere else, but with injuries, they're so tight-lipped. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, maybe they just don't like... Uh, bothering the fan base or something but like they never give timetables like they especially on on injuries like this like they still have yet to give a timetable the last timetable was week to week and all the information we've get we've been getting is secondhand stuff like mark stein and adrian wojernowski from espn like we we haven't got anything from the team officially like we haven't said they haven't said oh he's going to be reevaluated in a couple weeks oh he's going to be uh we're going to give an announcement um on this date as to his timeline they haven't said anything they've been very quiet about it and i'm concerned because like we've seen this before from this organization like you if you remember dwight howard from two years ago he had that weird knee injury too where it just the team just came out and said he's gonna miss like two months like i'm and i don't want that to happen because this team uh more than ever they need to gel right now they need to spend this time uh this the early part of the season getting to getting the feel with each other and this this Rockets team, more than any other Rockets team, they cannot survive a Chris Paul injury. Like they are not constructed to survive a Chris Paul or James Harden injury. Uh, they, they just don't have a lot of depth at those positions. And uh, it's it's you know, yes, these are superstar talents, but more the the positions that they play, like it, they're just really shallow there. The Rockets signed Isaiah Cannon uh, for two days and then released him in favor of Bobby <laughs> oh, Brown. God. Yeah. yeah, like the Rockets are are. They're they're look they're trying to tape together some some temporary solution themselves. I mean, like we had that report that they were actively looking at free agents, uh, free agent point guards, and they were uh, they seemed to be suitors for Jameer Nelson for a brief period of time before he went to New Orleans. Like the Rockets are serious about addressing this issue, but I mean, for the time being, for, for at least the next uh, week and a half or so, like they're gonna have to be without Chris Paul and like. Yes, their schedule is light right now, but I mean, this is this is like prime time gel time. Like this is where teams get together and um and get the best feel for each other. And this superstar duo of Hard Harden and Paul, they need to feel each other out this time. Like this, you, the easy wins are where you get the best uh, chemistry rolling. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. They need to. I mean, presumably they'll get them back as soon as they possibly can. Uh, obviously they do not want to do anything to bring it back too soon. They don't want to, uh, you know, agitate or like, uh, you know, further injure anything. I mean, the hope the weird thing is that I feel like there's, there's cause for alarm and also cause for hope at the same time, because they're so tight lipped, like consider stuff with Trevor Ariza, right? They were like, Oh, he'll be back in a couple of weeks, but then he just comes back like a week and a half early and played yesterday. So, 
You don't know. Uh, usually it's a bad sign if they're keeping tight-lipped, but they always keep tight-lipped, at least. Yeah, so At least they're consistent it, with that theme. Right, so you don't... So it's not like... It isn't like they'd be chatty about it if it was going fine. Uh, they've consistently been been quiet about it either way. So uh, yeah, while it is concerning, it also if it was con- if there was a major problem, it would go like this. But if there wasn't a problem, it would also go like this. So yeah, hopefully, and, and, hopefully it's the latter. But just so we don't know. Yeah, and uh, Waj had an ESPN hit a couple weeks ago, and I think it was last week where uh, he said the Rockets are being really precautionary about this but man i don't know man chris paul has a history of knee injuries i know this is only a bone bruise but man until the rockets come out with a timeline i'm still gonna be skeptical like i i just i just get that feel i i you know that that gut feel of like something really bad happened and they're not telling us about it but but maybe that's just me yeah well i feel like there's gonna be a bomb either way right like i think it'll either that one day during an off day in the middle of the night it'll be like oh by the way chris paul is gonna be out for six weeks or something truly horrible or it'll be like before a game on like you know the middle of the week like an hour before the game they're like oh by the way chris is playing right yeah, yeah. i i think it's going to be something like that too like that that's how the rockets operate that's their mode of operate apparatus but i mean yeah i mean that they've done okay so far to give them credit i mean they are uh six and two right now i think so right uh they're five they and are they're five, five and, two. and two yeah they're five and two um What's concerning? What's concerning me right now is um, they're they're outperforming their point differential, which I've talked about you, with this with you off the air. Like yeah. this kind of stuff scares me, man. Like when when a team outperforms their point differential, uh, they're they're playing like a, a a four and three team, not a yeah. But this isn't their real point differential, though. Like this is not the real Rockets team, especially not the the team yeah. we saw against the Grizzlies, which had one operational guard. So. I, I think that's true, and that would be concerning if this is how the team is going to be going forward. But given that Chris Paul is going to be back at some point, right? Like he's going to be back; he can't not. And so, when they actually do turn into whatever team they actually are, then we'll see what their real point differential is. This is just holding pattern team. So during this holding pattern, they just have to like squeak out as many wins as possible uh, in the meantime. Right. I, I think it's encouraging that they're right now uh, a home court advantage team. Uh, if they can maintain that, maybe even drop down to the fifth seed. It's not. It's not. The, it's not the worst thing in the world if they drop down to the fifth seed while Chris Paul is out. Um, you, you're good. You're solid. You, you. You're. You're good all the way through. If you can maintain like a, a top five seed and Chris Paul comes back and you make a little bit of a run, that's positive. But uh, I don't know. It, it, it's just I, I don't like when teams over outperform their, their point differential. It, it, it makes me feel like we're not seeing the real playoff team that uh they're going to be but yeah you're right we haven't seen this team at full health uh since that first game uh they, they've had they suffered a, a rash of injuries to Nene, trevor ariza um ryan anderson eric gordon got sick <laughs> yeah eric gordon right yeah, this team is battling injuries they're just starting to come back to health uh trevor ariza just came back Nene just came back uh, Eric Gordon presumably will come back next game, but we still haven't got an update on his stomach virus yet. Um, but yeah, uh, Chris Paul needs to come back as soon as possible for this team to be, uh, you know, to reach their apex uh, before the postseason. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, without Chris Paul, their biggest strength becomes their biggest weakness just immediately. That with Chris Paul, their guard play is going to be unbelievably good continuously the entire time. Uh, but 
without him, they really just don't have anything. Like, right beyond uh, like Eric Gordon is good, and he he's oh, been so, awesome so, so say, far. Say, say about that. Not, say, say about that. We'll talk about Eric Gordon a little but, bit. But uh, but he is not able to run an offense in the same fashion that Chris Paul or James Harden can. You know, he's not a point guard. James Harden, while you should, while typically a shooting guard, also can perform fully as a point guard, and Eric Gordon isn't that. Like the hope would be that Bobby Brown could at least be like a mediocre point guard, and he d- he did in one game, did not in the other one. Uh, but that's still better than anything any- anyone else has done. They just have a total dearth of options at the guard position, and especially against teams like the Grizzlies, who will you know, pr- who will like run you off the line and who will prevent your offense from moving, who will deny the ball against like better defenses. There's not a lot you can do like that. That last game that they got beat by the Grizzlies, there was no way they were going to win that game from the outset. Absolutely none. So, uh, they, they, they're really weak in that, in that zone right now. But as soon as Chris Paul comes back, once they have James Harden, Chris Paul and Eric Gordon all playing, then we'll see how things are actually going to go. And, it's going to be totally different. Instead of watching the bench units, you know, fritter away leads, uh, they'll hope will hopefully be seeing the total opposite of that. Right, and that Grizzlies team, uh, to their credit, is good enough to make uh, the Rockets' depth pay because they, they are. That's a really really deep team in, in Memphis. Um, uh, Chandler Parsons hey. looks, looks really really good. Uh, yeah, he sure did the other day. Yeah, that um, <laughs> it might have been his first good game of the season. But I mean, hey, I, I'm I'm rooting for him. Like, I I know a lot of Rockets Twitter hates him, but I mean. The guy's been through. Uh, I, I I don't want to feel too too much sympathy for him because he is getting paid like millions and millions of dollars. But like, he didn't do anything wrong. He right. didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> right, right. He 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 sought out the best deal for himself, and uh, he's just been hurt for years and years. And it's it, it's kind of it kind of sucks. I'm rooting for him to come back. But yeah, we're getting off topic. Uh, the Rockets bench units have been miserable, as you said. Um, without um, Harden or Gordon on the floor, they just have no way to create any sort of offense, like any offense whatsoever. And last year, the Rockets were able to, were able to survive because they had Patrick Beverly and they had Lou Williams, but they don't have those guys anymore, right? Patrick Beverly like never got enough credit for how how well he ran the offense when Harden sat on the floor, sat on the bench. Like he's he was a really good passer, averaged like four to five assists per game, uh, and combined with Gordon, they were able to keep the offense running afloat for a good stretch of time. Same thing with Lou Williams. Like, the Rockets don't have that kind of guard depth anymore. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if they're going to seek that out at the trade deadline, but for the time being, they need to get Chris Paul back uh, because those bench units are miserable with that hard on the floor. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned it earlier. Eric Gordon looks incredible. Like, Absolutely incredible. He's averaging 24.8 points per game, 3.8 assists per game, 2.7 rebounds per game on 56.3% true shooting. He's been in absolutely incredible. Like the best I've seen him since he was a rookie on the Clippers. Like or, or like since he was at his apex on the Clippers. Like when he was when he was the the main cog in a Chris Paul trade. That's how good he's looked. Uh, he's getting to the free throw line at will. 8.2 free throw attempts per game. That's like. Harden level, right? On 82.6% free throw shooting. He averaged, uh, to give you some context, he's getting to the line eight, eight times per game uh, this year. He got to the line three point three times per game last year. Like, he's getting to the line at will. He looks incredibly explosive. His three-point shot's not there yet, but that'll regress to the mean. He's a career 38, 37.8% three-point shooter. Like, I don't think he suddenly lost three point, his three-point stroke overnight. Um, he just looks yeah. crazy explosive. Wait. 
Yeah, exactly. He is a yeah. So last season he started off very hot as well, as did the entire team. But uh, but it was different. I think it was different. Yeah, I think that people who don't watch the Rockets as closely as we obviously do uh, don't pick it apart as much, see different things. Like sort of the the national narrative is like, oh well, you know, he was hot last season too, so whatever, he's he'll cool off. But he did different things. Like the whole team was hot because they were all shooting very well from three, and their three point percentage dropped off steadily over the season uh, for reasons which have been debated. And I think that you. He's not shooting well. He's not shooting well from three a season. He's not. He's not killing because he's hitting every shot, which he was last time. Uh, he's killing because he has developed a much better game inside. Uh, he's much more deadly across the board. And like I said, he's getting like over eight free throws a game. That's incredible. Uh, these are things that will stay up even as your three point shot goes up and down. This feels a lot more sustainable. And I think when. Like when Chris Paul comes back, it will only be more effective as he'll have uh, consistently one or both of James Harden and Chris Paul on the floor with him, drawing away defenders in a really useful way for him. So I think he's going to keep this up for the most part. Obviously, he'll be up and down. You know, he's not always going to go up against the same teams, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, it's not just hot shooting. Yeah, maybe he'll drop down a little bit because right now he's playing like fringe all-star type. Man. Like that's how good he's been. Um, Not in this conference. Right, but I mean in general. Like in a normal conference, this is a fringe all-star type player. Um, and like again, like he's, he's just getting the the rim at will. Like he's never looked this explosive since he was – since before the injuries basically. Like he's looking like pre-injury Eric Gordon. The Eric Gordon – It's like it's like he's finally on a team with a training staff. Right. Yeah. Uh, but he's looking like the Eric Gordon that was worth being a main cog in the Chris Paul trade, right? And he's look like he's he's dunking a lot more, which is really really fun. Like I I've ne- I didn't know Eric Gordon could get up like that. I well, I mean I knew, but it, he it's been like years since he's done that. Like it's been literally years since he's been able to get to the get up that high and um and just get to the just get to the rim. He's just attacking the basket incredibly well and this is a game changer in for, for the Rockets in two different ways first if he's this good the ceiling for this team just got substantially higher and what I mean by that is we've talked about the ceiling for this team being a conference finals like what if the ceiling for this team is actually higher than that because Eric Gordon just took his game to the next level maybe we should have saw this coming because there's a column on Eric Gordon uh during the offseason about about him training his bo- about him being able to get better in the offseason instead of instead of getting healthy which is what, what he's what he's been doing his whole career right because he's battled injuries uh career and not career ending season ending injuries pretty much every single year he's been in New Orleans and in Houston he's been able to stay healthy and this summer he was be able, he was able to work on his body and work on just his game in general, and that's brought him to where he is today. And it's a game changer for the Rockets, man. Their ceiling this year just got substantially higher. Yeah, that contract he's on is looking more and more like a ridiculous steal. Right. And there is only one contract on the Rockets roster that is not excellent. And that's uh, Ryan Harrison, right? Uh, but like, and that's that brings me to my second point. His contract looks amazing right now like really really freaking good for what for what the Rockets signed him for and the summer they signed him for and how he's performing up to it right now like his contract already looked pretty good last year this this year like and my second point is 
his trade value is skyrocketing right now. If he, if he if he can keep this up, which is you know we're only we're only uh, six or seven games in right now, right? We, we should be cautious about making declare, declarative statements. But if he can keep this up right now, I mean that contract's going to be one of the the more sought after contracts in the league next year next summer. And if if his contracts one of the more, one of the more sought off sought after contracts in the league this summer. I mean, we talked about. No, hold on. We no, talked. Hold on. Where hold, are we going? Hold on. We talked about. How, Take me on a walk. <laughs> we talked about uh, being stumped on how the Rockets can improve this roster going forward, right? Like we have no idea because their cap situation is really, really tight, and um, it, it's and their contracts didn't look that great to begin with. And now, if Eric Gordon's this attractive, maybe you can package him this summer. Not not this year, right? Like this summer. For a superstar um, that can, you know, make a big three here in Houston, and uh, that brings me to my next point: this LeBron to Houston stuff starting to heat up, man. Like this, this is starting to become a thing. Like consistently, it's talked about a lot, uh, not just on Twitter, but 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 by national pundits who know who know a thing or two about this kind of stuff. Like Zach Lowe, he mentioned he dropped it in a column. Like I think it was like the thirty-three crazy things he does every uh, before the season, like the, his crazy predictions. He dropped it there, uh, saying, "You know, maybe we should take the Rockets as a as a more serious threat to land LeBron this summer." And Bobby Marks wrote a column about it um, last week about how the Rockets are the dark horse, uh, like they have no cap flexibility right now. But everybody just assumes that Daryl can make this happen. Like this is becoming a chatter <laughs> among people in the know. Like like people just think, "Oh, Daryl Daryl will find a way. He'll find a way to make this possible." Uh, LeBron to Houston and. Um, and we kind of scoffed at it last summer. Like uh, I'll, I'll I'll fully own up to it. Like I just I just thought it was impossible. Like it just it just felt really really hard to do. It's gonna take a crazy amount of cap manipulation and cap and trade magic. But if there's a GM in the league that can do it, that can pull this off, I think it's Maury. Yeah, and if you have uh, deals like that, and let's I mean let's look at the Peter Tucker deal. It's a it's a similar uh, a similar contract for uh, another excellent player, the Luke Ricard and Bahamute deal, which is at the minimum that's a ridiculous contract. Like there's so many good pieces there. Uh, there's so many good. No, I think the I think Bahamute's it's contract is only one season, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a one year deal. But uh, obviously. Uh, Morey knows how to sign players to excellent contracts. He knows how to position himself for the future. I mean, the better this team does, also the better all the contracts get. That's part of the secret of this, is that when you build a good team, everyone looks better. And when everyone looks better, everyone's contracts are automatically better, and you have better assets. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think it's... It obviously comes down to uh, on the, the, the crazy pipe dream, the, the far-off... Uh, way too far in the future consideration of where is LeBron James going to want to go. If he wanted to go to Houston, he would go to Houston. And that's all there is to it. He has a no trade clause and his his deal next summer doesn't expire. It's it's a it's a player option. So he could do what Chris Paul did this year and do an opt in trade if if the Cavs would be willing to do it, right? And that contract, that Eric Gordon contract, it's starting to look really, really good. If you can package that with it with some other deals on this on this roster um, which I don't know what they can do, what they can possibly do, because because Trevor Reese is going to be a free agent next year. That's a contract that you can't deal, um, and you can throw in some filler, and you can make that trade happen, right? Like that's that's now on the table because of how how good Eric Gordon's played this year, uh, and yet I, I know I know it's only been seven games, 
But this LeBron stuff is starting to heat up, man. And like I, I, I feel like we ignored it for so long. I, I feel like it would be irresponsible to not to, to not acknowledge it. Like I, I I'm done doubting Daryl Morey. Like after this summer, like I, I, I was on the record. Like I said, I don't think this 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 roster is like I don't I don't think it's possible to add another another star this summer because of of how their cap sheet was looking. And Daryl pulled it off, and he got Chris Paul, and he got um, a bunch of really really valuable contracts through their exceptions. Uh, so maybe we should stop doubting Daryl Morey. Like may, maybe we should just stop like underestimating his ability to make things happen that don't seem possible. Yeah, if there's a way to get it done, he'll get it done. Right. It, it, it just... I mean, Chris Paul and, and, and LeBron have that relationship, and we know Harden will recruit if he's asked to recruit, and um, he wants to win. Like he, To Harden's credit, like he's always been willing to, to share the basketball if someone's willing to come up to the plate and take it, right? Like he wanted to get Tal Austin here in Houston and he was willing to play off the ball a little bit more then. Like that was two years ago. And this summer he wanted to do it again with Chris Paul. Like maybe we should stop doubting James Harden's ability to to, to adjust with other players. Like because he, seeming, he seemingly wants to do it, right? The, the, this is the second point guard. He's this, the second very good point guard that he's recruited. Uh, and he see, he just wants to play off the ball. I mean, I, I guess that's a that's a dream of his. And if you if you bring in LeBron, <laughs> make his life a little easier, right? It, it would, right? And if you bring in LeBron, like a, a, and you can try to make like I don't know. Again, I don't know how this I, I don't know how this works. Like I, I don't know how Darrow does this. Like presumably, uh, he he does this by, while maintaining uh, their the their core of James Harden, Chris Paul, Ryan Anderson. And um, Clint Capella, right? Like that—that's the ideal. But I mean, if either way, if he if he manages to keep Chris Paul and James Harden on the roster and bring in LeBron, that's a, that's a legitimate challenger of the Warriors, right? Like that's one of the few teams that you can see getting it done in a seven-game series. Now, again, like, and then you just wave off the Eastern Conference and say. Just do whatever you want for six months. Bye. Right. Like, and again, this is this is a this is a total pipe dream. This is a total pipe dream. But I just felt like it, like it was, it felt irresponsible to not mention because in the past two weeks, this is starting to become a conversation, man. Like people you talk to, they they just tell you like, yeah, this this might be a thing this summer. Like this might be something to watch out for this summer. Yeah, uh, it's pretty far ahead to look at it, but I don't know. Uh, I think LeBron is shown that he's pretty good at uh at seeing what's going on uh, he's good at sensing which way the wind is blowing so we'll see uh, how things go i mean right now this pertains to the cavaliers like they've been looking pretty bad uh presumably most of us at that just don't really care but also who are their players you know right. <laughs> so there's there there's there's smoke there we don't right. know if there's fire there, but there's some smoke, and I will leave it at that. It's time to save LeBron from mediocrity. It's time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, okay, so uh, we'll just end on this quick thing. Trends that I've noticed that the Rockets are doing since the season started, uh, they're dedicated to switching on everything. Like that, That's like that, That's going to be their thing. Like I thought it was going to be like a thing that they do sometimes, but they're doing it on pretty much everything. Like They carried over their preseason trend of switching everything on defense into, into – um, into the regular season, and so far it's worked. They're the 13th-ranked defense in the NBA. I think they'll get into the top 10 once Chris Paul returns um, because, again, that's an all-NBA defender that you're adding to your team. Um, and 
yeah, I mean, it's so far it's worked really well. Even Ryan Anderson looks pretty looks much better than he actually is on defense uh, by switching, and it's it's been impressive to me. Yeah, they've been able to uh, really contain teams effectively so far this season. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to not feel great about what they've about their their early returns. That's because they haven't been as dominant as you'd like them to be, but. Uh, They've actually done pretty well on defense. I've been impressed by their defensive acumen so far, and I think this switching thing is going to work out really well due to the personnel they have. I would not be surprised if this was a major concern for the front office when signing players, that they really wanted guys who could defend multiple positions like over everything else. They wanted to be able to play that, that, that serious switching defense that uh, a lot of elite defensive teams are able to. Oh, and w- if you look at some of the teams they can run, if some of the lineups they can run out, they can run out some really long lineups who can defend everything. Right. And, and I, I completely believe that the Warriors are on their mind while they're constructing this roster. I mean, just look at the yeah. roster. Like, l- look at their wings. And look at the look at their comments this summer, man. Daryl has, has not been shy about talking about attacking the Warriors, man. Like, that's that's been a thing over and over and over again, every press conference. And he, he never mentions team names and he never mentions player names, but he consistently mentions the Warriors. So he this is this is something he thinks about, man. There, this is he thinks about attacking the Warriors every time. Um, so related to that, like the the Rockets are playing Chris Paul at uh, not Chris Paul, they're playing PJ Tucker at center pretty frequently now. Like this, they're starting to throw that lineup a, a, out a lot more and more, and um, it's been effective, man. And I think uh, Kyle from our website he talked about how how the Rockets can throw that lineup out and keep Ryan Anderson out at the four. Like you don't have to play, you don't have to take off all all your offensive firepower. You don't have to take off all your shooters. You can keep Ryan Anderson in the game at, at his position and keep PJ Tucker there, um, because that that pulls out a lot of your rim protection. And again, I'm stealing from Kyle here. This is some great points he made on Twitter. Like you you can pull out your rim, you can pull out uh, the traditional rim protectors away from the basket um, by having Ryan Anderson out there and having PJ Tucker there. It's it, it's an effective strategy. Like they're. The, the, this PJ Tucker at center lineup, it, it's it's been it's looked pretty well. It's looked pretty good. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to see more of it. I'm excited to see it once we actually have a Chris Paul there. And it's it's unfortunate that everything keeps coming back to that, but that's simply where the Rockets are at right now. Uh, we've only had a taste of what they really could be. It's really just been we know a little more about them than we did at the end of at the end of preseason. They just aren't themselves until uh, Chris Paul gets back, and that's all there is to it. Right. Last trend I've noticed. Um, the Rockets are using Harden as a screener more and more, and this is something I noticed in the preseason. Um, maybe it's a function of having Chris Paul on the team, but the Rockets are using Harden in smarter ways off the ball than they have been, uh, that, that they've used in previous years. This is something I talked about with Mike D'Antoni coming into Houston last year. Uh, it never happened. Like the Harden stayed pretty much uh, stagnant off the ball, but now um, and uh, it slowed down the past couple of games. So I mean, maybe maybe it's a thing that that was a thing and it disappeared. But it it definitely was prevalent in the beginning of the season. Harden has been setting screens for shooters. He's been setting screen for screens for Ryan Anderson, for Eric Gordon, uh, for Chris Paul in that first game. Like he's been setting a lot more a lot more screens off the ball. And uh, this is something that Steve Nash used to do all the time. And that, that's what made him so deadly off the ball because he was a great catch-and-shoot player and he was a great um, screen setter off the ball. So, I mean, if, if the Rockets can find ways to utilize Harden better off the ball, I mean, their offense could be just 
insanely dangerous, especially when Chris Paul comes back. Right now, their offense is mediocre, but they're trying some stuff that I that, that I think is interesting. They're trying some new stuff that I just think yeah. it, it, it just attracts my eye. Yeah, they're making investments that can pay dividends uh, in the future. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's it's been a long podcast, but well worth it. I think we covered everything that's happened these past two weeks pretty well. Uh, it's been great having you on, Forrest. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, give us a good rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the podcast. That really helps you find the show. Give us five stars or uh, give us four stars, whatever. Just give us a rating. It helps, helps people find the show. And yeah, guys, good night. <laughs>